I know this week is, is pretty unique for many of us, and yet at the same time, we still have like this idea that the year is before us. And so we've come together as a church community today, and I want you to be encouraged um, because we can still grow, we can still seek the Lord, we can still in some ways stay connected, uh, even in the middle of these of these restrictions. And uh, I just want to let you know, next week we're kicking off a new series um, with the theme of wilderness in the book of Exodus. And uh, who knew that it would be such a, an opportune theme that we'll be walking through starting next week. So join us for that. But today I want to start off with this question. And uh, the question is, you know, what's your reaction to a new year? I know some of us, it's like big deal, December 31st, January 1st, not a big deal. Uh, for some, you know, the beginning of the year has some mixed feelings. Uh, there's a picture I found online that I thought that's kind of maybe, maybe depicts some of you. You maybe get deflated like, oh my gosh, we have this, you know, I got to start something new or the last year was a mess. Maybe this year might be a mess. Who knows? And you might feel deflated. But some look forward to something new starting, to something that's before us. This kind of idea of can my life be better or healthier or more prosperous? And I don't just mean, I don't mean just financial. I mean prosperous in terms of our relationships and our posture and our life and our thoughts. Uh, for me personally, I'm grateful for a season of change or for a, a change in the season. It somehow helps me take stock of my life, helps me make changes, helps me to reflect a little bit. I remember this idea of the change of seasons that I was reminded of, imagine, of all places in Orlando, Florida. I was there uh, one, a couple of years back and it was hot and it was sunny. So who doesn't love uh, the heat and the sun? But I met this guy randomly uh, and uh, I found out that he was from Minnesota. So his you know, state is very similar to the weather that we have here in Montreal. And we're, I was asking him about his time in Florida and what he misses about back home. And this is what he told me. He says, look, don't get me wrong. I love the sun. I love the heat. Who doesn't? But he said, I miss the change of seasons. I miss kind of shifting from, you know, winter to spring and spring to summer and summer to fall. And it, he gave me this idea that the seasons helped him press reset helped him kind of look back and look forward. And that's what New Year's, I know it does for me. Uh, it's, it's not, there's nothing mythical or mysterious or, or, or super significant about a specific change, you know, from one day to another. But the idea of resetting the clock does something around giving us this opportunity to look back and to look forward. Now, how do you approach a way forward? How do you approach looking at what's before us as a year, looking back and looking forward and saying, what do I want this, these next 12 months to look like? Uh, how do I want my life to grow in this next year? And last year in 2020, one of the, the pieces of scripture that I was praying a lot was found in Psalm 139. And I started inserting, especially the last couple of verses, in some of the, my times of prayer or the prayers that I would often read or recite or try and really get rooted in. And I want you to turn to it if you got your Bible, Psalm 30, 139, um, verse, just the last couple of verses, 23 to 24. And these verses have been such an incredible um, influence for me to kind of root me in a way that God wants to shape us and change us. So read it with me today, okay? The last couple of verses of this psalm. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's the end of this psalm that David writes, King David, psalm writer, songwriter, poet. And he ends this psalm with this specific line, lead me in the way everlasting. I mean, if, if, you, if, you, could, if you could kind of write the perfect or the most robust New Year's resolution, it would be this line. Lead me in the way everlasting. It's not just about better relationships or better health or better productivity or more discipline or working out or whatever. It's like the way everlasting. I mean, it sounds pretty big, pretty everlasting, pretty all-encompassing. And the word everlasting actually in this in this text is really the word ancient, this idea that, that it's been a way of life that David has been trying to root himself in that, go, that is way bigger than himself. And if you know David and the Psalms and the heart of David, this refers to God's vision for life, the, the kind of life that only, that only he was able to discover in God. As a Jew and part of Israel, it was rooted also in their idea and understanding of creation, that God created human beings to be his image bearers. And part of that idea of being an image bearer of God came with purpose and responsibility and healthy relationships, as we read back into the Genesis story, and a vision for goodness and stewardship of the world. This, this idea that an image bearer has a vocation, has a sense of calling. And when David writes this last line, for me, it ties me into this big picture of the scripture that there is a kind of life in the way everlasting or the ancient way or God's vision for us that is so beautiful and so special. Now, the reality is, is that history and even through the story of Israel shows us how often humans get lost. And you might look back to a season in your life and, and very easily recognize moments you've gotten lost. Or we can look back to history, even this week, to say, wow, look how humanity can get lost. And, and it's usually because of our own way or the way of our world. And yet in the scriptures, from creation to new creation, we read about God's way. What David didn't know at the time was that the fullness of this picture of, of this way of everlasting was coming in the Messiah, in Jesus. Jesus shows us the best picture of the way everlasting. In fact, he invites us to him and he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. We also read that Jesus tells us that in him he's come to give us life and life to the fullest. So there's this idea that in Jesus we can find the way everlasting. Now that might seem like only like a better life or uh, a stronger life or a healthier life, but it's really bigger than that. If Jesus, who was rooted in the law and the prophets, and he tells us that our calling is to love God and to love others, is rooted in the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets pointed to a life of justice, a life of reconciliation, a life of care for the poor, a life of peace, a life of generosity, a life of, of honesty and congruency. And here's Jesus. He shows up and he tells us that he's coming to fulfill this, to bring this to fruition, and he calls you and me to it. And then he says he's going to send his Holy Spirit and empower us for it. 
When I tie these things together, I see that David in this psalm is expressing his commitment to God's everlasting way. He doesn't see Jesus yet, but he's already seeing pictures of the way everlasting in what he knows about God and how God has already revealed himself to him and to Israel. And David in this psalm, this psalm is like an expression, a, a, a declaration of his commitment to the way everlasting, to God's vision and God's purpose and God's ethic and God's life. And the main purpose of this psalm is found in this last line, lead me in the way everlasting. But it's more of a declaration and a commitment. David contrasts that a couple of verses earlier because he speaks about people that he's encountered that don't live that way, that haven't found that way. That, that don't live a, a life that, that is found in God's purposes. He talks about a people who misuse God's name. He says in verse 20, they speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. To misuse the name of God is not just to use God's name in a sentence in the wrong way. It's to live a life that's incongruent with who God is. And David is saying, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live a life that misuses your name. I want to live a life that reflects your name, this way everlasting. And so David expresses his commitment to this way. And then he does something that's so helpful for you and me, especially as we start this new year. He, ex he tells us and he recognizes that there's obstacles to this way. He doesn't want to avoid them. He doesn't want to become naive about them. He doesn't want to pretend they don't exist. He just, he confronts them straight on at the end of this psalm. He says there's obstacles to this way. And we read it already in these last couple of verses where he says, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's an offensive way in me. Did, did you catch some of these obstacles David's highlighting? He's recognizing that some of the obstacles to the life he is committing himself to are here in his heart, here in his mind, and here in his actions. And that's why he's coming before God and he's like saying, God, search me. Know my heart, like what's going on in here, and, and know my thoughts, what's happening in here. And and look at all my actions, what I do with my hands and my feet. The obstacles to the way are in his heart, thoughts, and life. And this is something so important for you and me to understand. And, and I put this line on the screen for us because it's, it, I want us to catch it. The way forward is always influenced by the way you're already on. Think about that for a second. The way forward is always influenced by the way you're already on. The, the, the life or the way everlasting that David is committing himself to is influenced, detoured, achieved or not achieved according, because of the things that he's already living or that we're already living. And here's how I can tell you. I can tell what my next step is by looking at my current step. Like if I'm walking in this direction, my next step is going to keep going in that direction. And you can, you can tell what your year will look like. If nothing changes, you can tell what your year will look like by looking back to 2020. Putting COVID and the pandemic aside and some of these circumstances that we often want to look at and say, no, 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 it's this, this, these are the reasons why my life is like this. Of course, there's some circumstantial reasons. But you can tell what, year, what your year will look like by just looking at your last year. 
You can tell the next step you're going to make by looking at the current steps you're making. The way forward is always influenced by the way you're already on. So David, David knows this. And so David says, God, search me. In fact, the word would be better, you know, put there would be the word examine. Examine me. Check me out fully to see if I'm truly committed to this way. Before David makes this declaration of commitment, he's saying, God, would you examine me? And here's this process that he needs and that I need, and I believe you, we all need, is this process of an examined life, examined heart, examined thoughts, examined ways or actions. This is something that's so important for for us to grasp. None of us should ever live an unexamined life. None of us should ever live a life that is not examined, that is not looked at, that is not held accountable. Unexamined lives or lives that don't allow themselves to be searched or examined or looked at will rarely flourish, will rarely produce good fruit, will rarely grow in holiness, will rarely grow in the way of Christ, and will usually lead to damage or destruction. I was reading an article this week in a psychology magazine, and it was on narcissism. And what I noticed that just jumped out at me is that one of the traits of narcissism is an unexamined life. That one of the traits of narcissism is to blame everybody else but yourself is to blame all the circumstances but yourself, is to blame other people but not you. David does the complete opposite here. He recognizes that there's obstacles to the way of everlasting, the way he's committing himself to, and these obstacles are more internal than external. In fact, I'll say it this way. It's less about your circumstances and more about your character. For sure, there's circumstances that affect your life. There's things going on, um, you know, around you. There's things going on in the world. There's things happening at your job. But David recognizes in this psalm that the most important obstacles are the internal ones. It's less about our circumstances, more about our character. And so we're invited into this process. Letting God examine you or me. To open myself up for God to check me for a checkup, literally for a checkup. Search me, O oh God. Search my heart. Test me, O oh God. Test my thoughts. David specifically says his anxious thoughts. And then see if there's any offensive or some versions say wicked way in me. In other words, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose my life, my actions before you. I want, I want to give my whole life exposure so you can see it. It comes to kind of three words, our ambitions, our attitudes, and our actions. And the psalm is inviting us, like David is saying, like just, Lord, open surgery. Open surgery. You can just look at all of it and check me out fully. Now, what encourages David here? David's not naive. It's not like he, it's not like he thinks, like, unless he does this, God doesn't see him. Or unless he does this, God doesn't know him. It's like the kid who hides just off the side of the couch, but the parent is totally big enough and tall enough to see the kid there. But 
That's not what David is saying. David's not naive. He knows, already knows that God knows everything about him. And he already knows that he can never hide from God. In fact, he's not even trying to. He celebrates that God knows all things. This is a beautiful part of this psalm. We're going to read just these sections of it. So he starts off the psalm saying, God, you've searched me, O Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. He continues in verse 13. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David, he's laying it out here. He's like, God, you know me already. You know everything about me. But he also recognizes God sees him. Verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Even the darkness is light to God. In other words, nothing escapes God. Nothing escapes God. And, and this, is, this, is, this can be good news or bad news, obviously. And the, the psalm is a little bit ambiguous, leaving us to discern what this might mean. And maybe we have to take it in a season, and sometimes it might be good news, sometimes it might be bad news. That's not the point. The point is this. There's no escaping God. There's no pretending you're someone you're not. There's no projecting an image of yourself that's false. It doesn't matter what I post on Instagram or on Facebook. It doesn't matter what I tell my friends. It doesn't matter the story that I boast about at work. God, that doesn't influence God's view of me. I can't project a false view of myself to God. I can't pretend that I'm someone I'm not. There's no escaping God. He sees everything and he knows everything. And he knows everything about me. And he knows everything about you. And there's nowhere I can go that he doesn't see me. And so here's part of the heart of this. Regardless of your hope for 2021 or my hope for 2021, regardless if I want to grow relationally or you want to grow spiritually or someone wants to grow vocationally or physically in their health, here is something very certain that this psalm tells us and reminds us about. There's a certainty here that you and I will never move forward if we're pretending. And we'll never move forward if we're projecting. In fact, you will have such a difficult time declaring that last line of the psalm, lead me to the way everlasting, if you can't say the first three lines. If you or me want to pretend or project, we will have difficulty saying, lead me. That's a difficult posture to walk into. We can't hide from God. David knows that. And that's actually a good thing for David. He celebrates it. But see, the process forward is this. 
The process towards the way is this, and it starts with reflection and repentance. Reflection and repentance. These last few lines of the psalm is David reflecting and, where necessary, repenting. Many of us at Westside, slowly, more and more of us are taking this course called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And one of the, the chapters of the book and one of the themes of the course is know yourself so that you may know God. Augustine in the 4th century and John Calvin in the 16th century affirmed this and, and, and often throughout church history and an understanding of scripture helps us understand that it's hard to know God if we don't know ourselves. It doesn't mean that God reveals himself to us only through my knowledge. No, 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 no. But it's that I can miss God if I don't know myself. If I live an unexamined life, I can miss what God's doing and the kind of life that God longs for me. So there's an importance here, this reflection and repentance. And both are vital. Not just re- reflecting, but then repentance. Now, that might sound more like a cleanse than a New Year's resolution. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hate cleanses. Please don't like list a book that kind of tells me how to cleanse my body. But it feels like that. But maybe that's the point for our hearts and our minds and the way we want to move forward. Because maybe the reason we lack a life that flourishes or lack a life that's fruitful or lack a life that's faithful, it's less about our goals and more about the obstacles that inhibit our goals. It's less about our circumstances and more about our character. It's less about the things that we say we want to do and the kind of heart and mind and life that actually makes room for that way everlasting. Our obstacles are less about our circumstances, more about our character. And I'm all for news resolutions. I'm all for goals. I have a list in my journal, in multiple journals, and I've been thinking about it and reflecting on it personally, as a family, financially, as a church, uh, ministry-wise. I, I love that stuff. But I've also come to recognize, and this psalm forces me to think this way, that it's less about my circumstances and more about my character. And that I'm, I must reflect on the path I'm already on if I actually want to influence the path forward I want to go in. Now, an, an examined life, a life that says, Lord, examine me, search me, know me, test me, a life fully open to God leads to a response. Reflection and repentance and then a response to God. And here's where David makes this declaration. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. That's what God desires for you. I want to leave you with a a short practice that um, is pretty old in terms of Christian history. It's called the examine. It's a prayer that was a simple five-point prayer that can be prayed in the evening before bed or uh, one or two times during the day. And it has five parts to it. And I'm going to just list these five parts briefly. They'll, They'll stay on the screen as I'm talking about them. And the first part of this prayer is just pausing and being aware of God's presence. Looking back to your day or your week and saying, where was God present today? Where ha- did I notice him at work? Where did I, did I see him evident? And so being aware of God's presence. And the next part of this examine prayer is, is this. It's reviewing your day with gratitude. It's looking back to your day or your week and, and pausing to be thankful for certain things. Really important part of this. The next part of the prayer is the examining part. It's, it's, it's examining 
what, what emotions you felt today, what motives you led out of today, what, what ambitions led your decisions today. And you're just examining those, and you're letting the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, examine that with you. The fourth part of the prayer is basically repentance and prayer. It's, it's as you're discovering some of those things, you might want to repent from a motive or from how you responded to something or from an, your ultimate ambition if it, if it seems like it's an, not a, a good ambition. And then pray about that. Pray about that feature of your day. Pray about that moment in your day. It might also be something where you caught yourself um, really in a way that was faithful and honoring of the Lord, and you say, I want to celebrate that, and you bring that before the Lord to kind of nurture that. But then the fifth part of the prayer is surrender tomorrow, just the next day. I'm surrendering tomorrow to Christ's lordship, to his leadership. And I was thinking about this prayer with Psalm 139 because it made me realize that parts of this prayer really fit into Psalm 139. Think about it for a second. To become aware of God's presence is like David saying, hey God, wherever I go, you're there. Wherever I find myself, you're there. David becomes aware of his presence. David reviews his day also with gratitude. He reviews his life. I mean, think of the extensive parts of the psalm. It says, God, you've knit me. You've put me together. You're with me. You're here. You know me. Here's David being grateful for who God is and his, and his involvement in his life. But then there's the examination part, this couple of last verses where totally fits the search me, know me, test me, see in me, where David where this part of this prayer reflects Psalm 139. Lord, examine me. I want to be an open book before you. Search me. And then the response of repentance and prayer. And then David's final declaration, right? Lead me to the way everlasting. This is the last little part of the prayer. Surrender tomorrow to Christ's lordship. That's what you're doing. You're saying, God, tomorrow, I want Jesus to lead my life in a greater way. Tomorrow, I want to move forward in steps under the lordship of Jesus. So I encourage you to take a picture of this prayer off the screen or go back to our website in our podcast section and you can find the slide for it or we'll post it up later on as a way that it, whether it's daily or weekly where you can pray this examine as a way forward. Because God invites us into this process. And here's the beautiful thing. God's mercies are new every morning. God's mercies are there for us every day. Because the beauty is because this year doesn't have to look like last year. And I don't mean the trajectory of culture or the trajectory of the virus. Your life, my life, in response to whatever's around me, doesn't have to be the same this year as it was last year. Doesn't have to be the same today as it was yesterday. Today there's an opportunity to press in and say, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. I was reminded of this opportunity. Uh, actually, on New Year's Eve, my, my, my family and I, we hung out together. It was just us, and uh, we had a meal, and one of my kids wanted to play Monopoly, and we know how long Monopoly can take. We're like, well, who cares? It's New Year's Eve. It doesn't really matter. So we all started playing Monopoly. But uh, as sometimes those games get on, some, you can, you can kind of get tired. So you either lose interest or you pause and, uh, and then pick it up later. So we ended up leaving the board, um, really just there. And I don't know if the, if the picture's on the screen, it probably is, but this idea of an unfinished board. And it was cool because we, were, we, were just, we just left the board and we celebrated you know, the turn of the clock at New Year's and we ended up going to bed at some point and then we woke up the next morning and, 
And literally for two days, we didn't use our kitchen table because we left the Monopoly board unfinished. We had every intention to finish it. And we did. Two days later, we all sat around the table and uh, we got around it. Um, I won't tell you who won. Okay, I won. But, but anyways. And, and I want to just let you know, I was losing on New Year's Eve, but I won in 2021. So that was kind of pretty fun. But let me leave that aside because now my kids are going to get mad at me here with rubbing it in. But here, here's the cool thing. I looked at that board before we finished it the day later. I'm like, and it just reminded me. It's so our lives are never unfinished. Or sorry, are never finished. We, can leave, we, leave the, we left the board unfinished and we picked it up a couple of days later. And, and it reminded me that we, we picked it up exactly where we left off. And, and as the, the, the beauty of, of starting it on in 2020 and continuing in 2021 reminded me, here's this new opportunity to continue the game, to continue your life, to continue the next step, to move forward with a new opportunity and new mercies. And it reminded me, my journey's not over yet. Your journey's not over yet. Our church's journey is not over yet. Now, the difference between your life and Monopoly is that you're not just rolling a dice. Our church is not just rolling a dice. That's not how it works. But David in this psalm reminds us, if we would come and let ourselves be examined before God and then exercise this commitment to the way everlasting, examine our ambitions, examine our attitudes, examine our actions, and then exercise this next step and say, God, I want to be this person that leads, it leans in to your way everlasting. There's so much opportunity there, and God is faithful to lead us and guide us and walk with us. But don't do it in an unexamined way. Search me, know me, test me, see if there's any way in me, and then lead me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that today is a new day. Thank you that this month is a new month and this is a new year. Even though arbitrarily it's on our calendar and it's a human way to articulate the cycles in the world and in the atmosphere, but God, it's a reminder. It's a reminder, just like the sun comes up every morning. It's a reminder that your new mercies are there for us. It's a reminder that our lives are not finished yet. That we all have unfinished lives, and that's okay. Because today, this month, this year, is a new opportunity. And God, we make this commitment to, Lord, lead us in the way everlasting. Lead us in your way. Lead us in the way of Christ. But God, we also... Make a commitment with you right now, God, not to move forward with an unexamined life because we recognize that there's obstacles in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions. And so we tell you, Lord, come, look, examine, test, see. Lord, reveal that to us. And where necessary, God, give us the courage to repent and know that you're there with us, with your mercies, to help us move forward. We pray this for our church as well, as we look to this new year. Oh God, there's new opportunity. There's new opportunity for mission, and serving, and ministry, and hospitality, and generosity, and impact. 
oh God, may we be ready for these things, but also may we look into the heart of our church and see the obstacles in the spirit and heart of our own church, God, because we long to move forward following you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.